I'm really not sure how to describe the transition that comes about today as we go into Habakkuk chapter 3. Uh, and really, the, the thing that comes to mind the best is a sports example. And I'm honestly, I'm, I try to be careful about sports examples because if I'm not careful, uh, every week, every sermon would, <laughs> would have some type of sports or hunting reference. But I think in the world we're in today where there is no... Uh, there are no athletics happening. I think I'm, I'm safe to throw something out just to, to uh, quench the thirst of anyone who has wanted to think about sports lately. But I, I want you to think about a diehard sports fan, someone, someone whose team really hasn't produced much to celebrate lately, but they're still super ridiculously diehard. So think about um, not, even, not even a Lions fan because there's nothing in our past that would signal a reason to root for the Lions. But think about maybe a Red Wings fan. Um, or, or maybe certainly a UM football fan where every season we get pumped up, right? Every new season, every new recruit, every new quarterback, every new coach that comes along, we get pumped, right? And we're pumped for the next Ohio State game. Even though maybe in recent memory there's not as much to be excited about, there's not as much to celebrate and, and uh, thump our chest about, we still get pumped up. We're still super diehard. Why? Right? Those super diehard fans, those University of Michigan football fans are still all in because they remember when, right? They remember how in Bo's day they dominated the Midwest. They remember how uh, they would rival Ohio State and, and even, even in the down years pull off a big upset with an underdog team. They remember when Michigan ruled the Big Ten and competed with the nation's best. And the mindset is, the mindset going into every season is, hey, we did it before, we'll do it again, right? And, and I was actually scan, uh, scanning through YouTube. There's some pretty awesome uh, preseason football hype videos. You go, <laughs> go through some of the, the recent years, it just gives you goosebumps, right? You get fired up. No matter how the last season ended, you watch these preseason hype videos, and it just gets you fired up for the next season. That's part of being a fan, though, right? There, there's certainly times of wondering, hey, what, what's wrong? What? What are they doing? <laughs> Why did they choose to kick it there? Why didn't they choose to kick it there? There's those times of just wondering what's going on and why isn't this being fixed? And then there's certainly times of waiting. Hey, I'm, I'm willing to be patient with the process. I'm willing to be patient with this new coach, patient with this new scheme, patient with this new quarterback. Um, the next level fan believes it's coming back around at any point. And even if it doesn't, I'll still be there on Saturday with my lucky hat, right? That's, that's the diehard fan. And we're in the middle of this series, actually wrapping it up today, uh, in the book of Habakkuk. And, and this is a book uh, which is very realistic. It's very true to life because it's a book of wondering. It's a book of waiting. It's a, it's a book of wrestling and embracing. It's a book of walking through darkness with some hope, finding some hope in the dark. And it's a bit of a reset today uh, because we, we wrapped up uh, chapter two last week uh, with kind of a place where Habakkuk is confused, but he's trusting, right? He's, he's unsettled and yet he's embracing. And chapter two wraps up with verse 20 where he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Kind of embracing the struggle, embracing the questions, embracing the frustration, embracing the valley that he's walking through. Um, and today is a, a special level, uh, as we go into chapter 3, a special level and an experience of faith uh, that Habakkuk finds himself experiencing. But 
to be honest, it's, it's, it's a, a level of faith that's reserved only for those who have faithfully come through the first two chapters of Habakkuk. And, and that, I'm not saying those who have come through the first two chapters of this sermon series, right? I don't have that kind of power. It's not, not like, hey, if you listen to the weeks one and two, you've got a special gift waiting for you at the end. That's not how this works. I'm talking about people who have been through in their lives the chapter one experience of the wondering, the questions. God, what are you doing? How come you're not acting on our behalf, even though we believe you could? God, why, why are you asking us to wait? We're going to be patient. We're going to do our best. But we're waiting and we're wondering. And, and if you remember from the last couple weeks, we talked about how we, we have these experiences in our lives that kind of, as a believer, kind of starts with that first mountaintop experience of accepting Christ or he does a work in your life or he does a, a work in your family and he, he speaks into your life, he encourages you, he empowers you, some miracle comes about, you go to a retreat or a conference and all of a sudden you're having this mountaintop experience. Man, God is real. He's working in my life. This is amazing. And then over time you have this natural little drop off where you're still strong, you're still experiencing God, but you're not on that mountaintop anymore. But in that slight little moment of apathy or weakness, something happens. And it drives us into a dark place. It drives us into a valley where maybe God doesn't feel as close. Maybe we're not seeing him the way we used to. Maybe we're not hearing from him the way we used to. Maybe we're not, maybe we personally are not engaging him with the way that we used to. And yet what we talked about is even though we start on the mountaintop, that's not where we want to stay. We want to get to a higher level of faith, but it's not in on the mountaintop that we experience that. It's, it's our faith grows and goes to a new level when we are faithful in the midst of a valley and we see God minister to us in those times. What's required, what needs to be experienced, what needs to be endured in order to achieve that next level of faith and strength and, pers- and perspective and joy is a valley. And as we come up on this last chapter, Habakkuk is going through this last phase and the tone starts to change a little bit, that things noticeably shift in the way that he's talking, uh, in what he's actually saying. And, and what we see is a pretty interesting transition from someone who is initially bitter and confused and embattled with the situation that he's experiencing on his own, the experience in the nation that he lives in. And it's a transition to someone who believes, someone who trusts in spite of the current circumstances that they're not not because of a, resol- a resolution to the circumstances, but because of something different. And so uh, we'll jump in here to uh, Habakkuk chapter 3 um, as this uh, minor prophet wraps up. So Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1, kind of a strange verse, but it's a way that uh, many of these uh, prophetic books start um, a new section. You see it in Psalms all the time. So Habakkuk 3 1 says, this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, a shijanoth. Ashijanoth, right? Strange word. And in fact, even uh, as they interpret this, you'll, you might even see a little note in your own Bible or in the app that you're reading that says there's, they're kind of unsure about what this specific word means. It is some uh, musical term, right? But as they break this down, even though they don't have a clear definition of the word, what we do know is that it's a musical term, shijanoth. And it's a musical term that describes how the song should be sung. And so as we get into the end of this, Habakkuk isn't just, isn't just pouring out his heart anymore. He's writing a song. And so I want you to think of chapter 3 as a song. And this musical term, Shijanoth, 
describes how the song should be sung. It's like, uh, for those of you with a musical background, you know the word adagio, right? That means it's a slower tempo. You might hear someone uh, who's getting ready to sing or, or, or play some music, hey, sing it with a jazz flair or, or sing, it, sing it like an angry Eminem song. And I'm not even sure what that means. Maybe that just means you throw in some F words every once in a while. I don't know. Uh, but it's a musical term telling us how this particular song should be sung. And this particular song, the song of Habakkuk, as he gets into chapter 3, this word shijanoth means it's something that's sung with strong emotions, with passionate exuberance, passionate singing with rapid changes of rhythm, with enthusiasm. It's praise. Now, this, and so this is not to be read like an 80s love ballad. It's not to be read like an angry Eminem song. It's not quiet and mysterious like Billie Eilish. And it's, we're not even grooving like Earth, Wind, and Fire. And some of you are thinking, who is Earth, Wind, and Fire? If you missed out on them, honestly, they were before my time as well. But we've got some folks here in our Fieldstone family that know exactly who I'm talking about. And if you're not sure who, who Earth, Wind, and Fire is, at your next, uh, the next wedding that you attend, literally half of the songs that you dance to are probably <laughs> probably Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, and by the way, if you go to YouTube, you can so- you can find all their songs. They got music videos on there. Um, side note: most of their music videos, it looks like you can only really enjoy them if you're stoned. Um, I don't know if I can say that, but hey, it's a strange time to be alive, and so we're saying things maybe we wouldn't otherwise say. So it's not an '80s love ballad. It's not Earth, Wind, and Fire. What this song is, Habakkuk chapter three. This is praise punctuated with exclamation marks, right? This is praise punctuated with exclamation marks. And so as, you're, uh, as we're digesting Habakkuk 3, as hopefully you go back and kind of read through it on your own, this chapter is worship. Now, it's important, this chapter 3, he's asking for the most passionate praise, even though nothing has happened yet. He's asking for exuberance. He's asking for emotions. He's asking for passionate singing and enthusiasm, worship, even though nothing has changed about his current situation. You see, the most passionate praise is praise before the provision. Praise before God does what you need him to do. Praise before God does what you've asked him to do. This is praise not for the what, but for the who. Praise before the provision. That's what he's asking of this chapter. This is almost asking of himself, uh, asking of us as we go through a valley, as we go through a dark time. And so let's get to what this song, what, what kind of song did Habakkuk write that he wants us to sing with exuberance before anything changes in our lives. So Habakkuk 3, verse 2, he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. There's a song that we, uh, we've we sung here at Fieldstone plenty of times, and um, I'd encourage you to go check it out. It's on YouTube by Elevation Worship. It's called Do It Again. And, and some of the lyrics go, hey, I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again, right? So Habakkuk is basically saying here, God, I've seen you work. I know your power. Do it again. And this kind of praise, this kind of worship, uh, in the midst 
of wondering, in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of a valley. It's like that football fan who's loyal before there's even a reason to be loyal. That's our calling. That's our honor as believers. Praise, worship in the midst of the wondering and the waiting. That is our next level of faith. That's our next level of intimacy. That's our next level of joy and strength in our relationship with God. That's what we've been called to even in the midst of wondering, even in the midst of waiting, even in the midst of the darkest valley, there's hope, and that's what we're called to. And so the question begins, how how do we get to that point? How, How do we get to that point of worship before there's a resolution? As we're going through a difficult time, a dark spot in our lives, as we're going through a valley and we're starting to wonder, man, is this real? Why am I not experiencing what I experienced before? Why am I not getting the answer that I've been looking for? Why is God not acting on my, on my behalf? I'm trying to be patient. How do we go from there to a point of worship in the midst of a crisis of faith or a crisis of belief? Couple things. Couple things I think we need to do as we continue into Habakkuk chapter 3. First thing I think we need to do in order to make that journey to a point of worship before a resolution is we need to remember. Remember. Remember God's provisions. Remember God's goodness. Remember what he's done in the past. Remember his promises. Let's continue on in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3. He says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. And it continues on even through, you know, verses 7 through 15 is a continuation of this mindset of remembering. And he mentions, he mentions Taman. He mentions Mount Perrin. Now, a couple sides of this. One, this is uh, in some ways a symbolic expression of God's power, of his sovereignty, and of his glory. But at the same time, it's also kind of a callback to God's deliverance out of Egypt where they thought there was no way out. They thought that nothing could save them until God changed Pharaoh's heart, until he brought them through the Red Sea. And Habakkuk is saying, God, you came through. You came through then, and you'll do it again. Habakkuk is saying, I remember from my life. I remember from others' lives. I remember bread coming from heaven. I remember food from ravens. I remember water from a rock. I remember when Elijah experienced fire from heaven. I remember when Joshua experienced the sun standing still. I remember... So many heroes being saved from the lions, right? And I think back on on Kathy and I's lives and and trying to do what Habakkuk did in his remembering. I think back on bills that God covered that we didn't think that he would cover. Remember the amazing children that he's given us and what an answer to prayer that they have been. And remember job changes and car situations and repairs that we had to figure out. Remember launching Fieldstone. I remember those things, right? And you can think back on your life and remember times of healing, times when God provided the right work at the right time and he provided you amazing children and he saved your marriage from the brink or he freed you from a life of destruction. It's learning what God has done before, remembering what God has done before in your life, in others' lives, and saying, I believe you did it before and I know you can do it again. You got to remember. 
And even beyond that, we can, we can go to the example of Abraham with the Isaac situation. If you're uh, a Fieldstone attender, you remember the series we did called First Family here uh, uh, earlier this winter. Seems like years ago, but it's literally weeks ago. But uh, one of the weeks we talked about Abraham and, and uh, God's call to sacrifice Isaac and how stressful and, and crazy that situation was in his life. But it, it gets referenced again up in Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham, and it says that Abraham, in the midst of that situation, he reasoned that God could raise the dead. So he's getting ready to sacrifice his only son at the command of God. And I got to imagine in the season, there were some questions. There was some wondering. There was some waiting. How is God going to come through and resolve this situation? But even before any of that happened, even before it all played out, Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. Now, here's what you have to keep in mind. Abraham had never seen it happen before. He'd never seen anyone raised from the dead. Abraham had probably never heard of someone being raised from the dead before. But based on what he knew of God, based on what he had seen God do before, based on the promises of God and the truth that was available to him at the time, Abraham believed that in order for God to be God, even if this plays out in a horrific way, God can and will raise Isaac from the dead in order to keep his promises. And the only way that Abraham could get to that point of belief is by remembering the God that he had served and experienced over the course of a lifetime. We have to have an active memory. Remember, he can do it again before he does it again. And remember that he's capable of doing something new before he's ever done it at all. We have to remember. Second thing, and this is, this is where it gets a little bit more active because over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about how we have to endure, right? And we just have to kind of uh, be willing to embrace the struggle. Now, not only do we need to remember, but as we remember the things that God has done in the past, we have to embrace faith. We have to embrace faith. We have to believe that God is still good. We've been embracing the struggle, right? We've been embracing the valley. We've been embracing the questions that come to mind and being honest with God. But now we have to embrace faith. Look at what Habakkuk writes in chapter 3, starting in verse 16. This is an amazing uh, close to this book. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet... I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation that's invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, there, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk is saying he, he felt like the Babylonians were winning because they were. He felt like the evil ones were getting away with it. Because, yeah, so far they were. But he says, listen, even if everything goes wrong, if everything that could go wrong does go wrong, if nothing is working, nothing is succeeding, my God is still on the throne. He has always been good, He has always been faithful. 
Now, this is this is not a state of denial. This is not uh, this is not pretending like everything's great <laughs> when it's not. This is not ignoring the situation that's in front of you. But this is looking at bad news in the face and saying, "I still trust my God. I embrace this situation and I embrace His goodness in the midst of it." In chapter one, we're wondering, "God, where are you? Why aren't you stepping in?" Why aren't you acting on our behalf? Why are you letting evil and injustice prevail? And in chapter 2, we wait. We wait for him to act. We practice patience. But then in chapter 3, we remember and we embrace faith. Guys, in life, there's certainly reasons to worry. There's certainly reasons to fear. There's certainly reasons to wonder what's going on, to have emotional raw, honest questions. There's times when it's going to be difficult. There's going to be suffering. There are going to be trials. There are going to be prayers not answered yet. There's going to be provision not given yet. There's times of fighting for the things that we love and the things that we long for. There are countless reasons not to rejoice. But we still trust and we still choose to rejoice even before there's a resolution. Shijanoth, right? We wrestle and we patiently wait and we remember and we embrace faith, but throughout it all, we worship. We experience a faith that worships when everything feels wrong. We experience a faith that believes even when it doesn't see. We experience a faith that cries from the heart declaring praise to our God. We praise before the provision. We praise with exclamation marks. Last week, I threw out a couple songs I wanted you to check out, and um, this week, I want to do it again. It's, 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 that's actually the name of the song, Do It Again. I'd love for you to go to YouTube, go to iTunes, and find this. As I said, we've sung it before here at Fieldstone. You've probably heard it on the radio. Um, it's called Do It Again by Elevation Worship. Uh, Just punch that into YouTube or wherever you get your music and check it out. Um, And here's what I want you to do. Um, Whether it's alone in your car or in your room or your office or with your spouse or with your family, find a place to listen to this song, and I want you to crank up the volume because this thing, it builds slowly. and It gives you time to process, but then it gets toward the end, and it builds slowly. And it builds and it gives you an opportunity to shijanoth, right? To worship unashamed, unabashedly, with emotion and with passion. I want you to have that experience even if you have no good reason to other than God is God. It's honestly one of the greatest honors of my life and and my job uh, to be allowed into families at some of the highest moments and some of the lowest moments. You think about uh, weddings, you think about funerals, you think about baptisms, you think about illnesses. Um, I've seen many of you walk through the valley. And some of you are there right now. I've seen you wrestle. Don't stop wrestling in chapter one. You might be wondering, you might be confused, you might have questions, you might have emotions. Don't stop wrestling And don't lose heart in chapter 2 when you're waiting, when your patience is waning, when you don't see it yet, when God says not yet. Because when you arrive in chapter 3, 
You're going to get to experience something new. I want to finish with Habakkuk 3.19. It says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. When we get there, he takes our faith to a new place. It doesn't change our circumstances. But as much as we can enjoy God on the mountaintop, he teaches us to trust him in the valleys.